This morning we have the honor to, to be able to hear from a missionary in March being Missions Month, uh, so we started out with Mission Sunday, and now we're going to bookend it with a missionary today. And so uh, we're honored to be able to have uh, Brother Robert Spector here with us. He is a missionary to uh, Jewish communities, Jewish peoples, really just anybody that he can preach the gospel to. He loves uh, being able to have those conversations, and so uh, we are blessed to be able to have him with us uh, this morning. And so, Brother Robert, would you come? Would you welcome him as he Thank comes? Thank you. God bless. Shalom. Am I on? Okay. So, uh, the ministry of Rock of Israel is the ministry that I serve as president of it, but I'm also an Assemblies of God missionary, uh, U.S. missionary, to reach the Jewish people in America. The, uh, there are about 6 million Jews in America, about 7 million in Israel. And so almost half of the Jewish population of the world is right here in America. And our ministry is endeavoring to reach them here. We also are involved in the internet. Uh, of course, through COVID, we had to find other ways besides uh, personal evangelism to reach Jewish people, and so we uh, put more effort into the internet, doing ads on Google and on Facebook, and any way we could to engage uh, Jewish people. In fact, one of the ways we did that was um, uh, I, I recorded me uh, uh, sharing uh, books with my grandchildren. It's called Gra Storytime with Grandpa. And we put that on the internet, just finding any way to engage people and uh, sharing that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. The um, ministry uh, was founded in California. And so uh, when I became the director of the ministry, I moved it from California to Cincinnati. So that's our home base today. Uh, many people ask me why. Why would I move from sunny Southern California to Cincinnati? And uh, in fact, one of my staff thought they were moving to the North Pole. Of course it wasn't. But uh, when it gets cold like it has been, I wonder why I did that. But it was a good move for the ministry. Um, found out that 70% of the U.S. population is east of the Mississippi River. 70%. So we're right in the middle of 70% of the U.S. population. I think the other 30% must be in Los Angeles. But anyways, it was a good move, and we uh, began to go to many different cities and, and share uh, on the streets, handing out uh, literature uh, to everyone, of course, not just Jewish people. But we were downtown. We knew we'd meet some Jewish people, and so it was a good way to reach Jewish people. But... With the advent of the cell phone, um, with everybody talking on the phone or texting or, or listening to music, it became more and more difficult to engage uh, people on the street. Um, it was just very difficult. And, and then, on top of that, it was very difficult to find volunteers to come and help us. The numbers got smaller and smaller and smaller. And so, 
uh, we looked for a different way to engage Jewish people, and that uh, God put on our hearts to go to state and county fairs. And so we began to take Jewish items to the fairs, and these Jewish items would draw Jewish people to us. We didn't have to go looking for Jewish people. They found us. And so I have a short video I'd like to show you. And by the way, look at a, a photo at the end of this, and you'll recognize some people there. So let's look at this, how we're reaching Jewish people. Since 2006, Rock of Israel Ministries has found a unique way to reach both Jewish and Gentile people with the gospel. In the marketplace, we've been renting booths at state and county fairs. However, one of the best fairs we have found is actually not in the U.S., but in Toronto, Canada. It is at the Canadian National Exposition, also called the CNE, and it has 1.5 million attendees each year. Toronto is a city much like New York, with a very diverse population. We meet more Jewish people here than any other fair. And with our many Jewish and biblical products out there on the table, including books, Art of the Covenant models, jewelry, and more, it brings many curious people over to us each day, much like fishing and bait. For instance, last year at this fair, we were able to share the Messiah with over 325 Jewish people who came to our booth. That number is not even including the hundreds more non-Jewish people we speak with as well. And even if they do not stop to talk, hundreds more will stop dead in their tracks and read our large banner, which says, Jesus made me kosher. Jewish people will stand there for a minute or more and read how Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. Of course, many non-Jewish people stop to read it as well. We cannot tell you how productive this unique banner has been over the years. For those who do come over and talk with us, most will take a bookmark which is a copy of the banner, Jesus Made Me Kosher, and listen as we share how we are Jews who believe that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah promised to our people. Of course, there will be some who are open to the message. If they are open, we will give them a free book of Jewish testimonies or something similar. Conversely, there are always some who oppose us being there as well. Sometimes we get a visit from local rabbis who seek to stop what we are doing. They show up with video cameras and argue with us. Nevertheless, we are sure that the gospel will go forward no matter what the situation. And the booth in Toronto is just one of the many booths we have rented and continue to rent across North America each year, armed with good volunteer staff who love God and love the Jewish people. With all that being said, may we ask for your help in reaching people? Renting the booth in Toronto... helping us on the streets of many different cities. I don't know how many cities you guys went to. Do you know? No? <laughs> many cities. Uh, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., Baltimore, um, Chicago, Pittsburgh. Oh, many cities. And, um, but then they, they started to help us at the fairs. And, and Joanne just mentioned that maybe they'll help us at the Ohio State Fair. Maybe. Uh, and she, um, anyways, the um, uh, ministry is not only involved in reaching Jewish people. That is our heart. That's what we. Uh, that's why I'm missionary to the Jewish people. Of course, we're sharing the gospel with everyone at the fair. Um, it's uh, you know, it's a great way to interact with anyone. Everybody comes to the booth. Many people come to the booth, but. Uh, of course, I know that probably 50% of the people that come to our booth 
are looking for Jewish items, and uh, so I know I'll, I'll reach some Jewish people. But uh, besides evangelism, our ministry is involved in education and motivation. We come to the church, like today, to help Christians understand that, first of all, Jewish people need the gospel. There are some people out there saying that Jews don't need Jesus. But Jesus said, I'm the only way. And so we want to help Christians in their witness to Jewish people. How many of you know someone Jewish? A few of you? Cleveland has a large Jewish population, so I, uh, I would think that this would be a great opportunity for you to reach uh, Jewish people. If you didn't raise your hand and don't know anyone that's Jewish, I want to introduce you to Jesus. He's Jewish and he wants to be your friend. The, uh, so we, what we do is we share in churches not only uh, about evangelism, but about the Bible that's a Jewish book. Did you know that? Written by Jews, obviously under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But the Bible is written by Jews. The Bible is about Israel, about the Jewish people, and we want to help Christians understand the Bible in the culture and context it was written. Also, we hope to instill in the hearts of Christians a love for Israel, a love for the Jewish people. God loves Israel. In fact, in uh, Jeremiah, we read that his love for Israel will remain as long as there are stars in the sky, as long as the the sun shines, we know that God's love for Israel remains. And so there are some people who think that God is finished with Israel, but that is not true. Paul says emphatically, has God forsaken Israel? God forbid. No way. And so we want to help Christians not only love Israel, but also fight anti-Semitism. I was so glad uh, last year, in I think it was in November, that the General Council of the Assemblies of God came out with a statement against anti-Semitism. This is uh, something that is growing. There are more and more people that are coming out in hatred to Israel and hatred to the Jewish people. And so we want to uh, encourage uh, Christians to love Israel and love God's people. The third area of ministry is what I have on the table. I hope you come afterwards and pick up at least one of those, you know, the bookmarks that were mentioned in the, uh, or the banner that was mentioned, Jesus Made Me Kosher. We have bookmarks. Pick one of those up or one of our missionary cards. But I want to mention five books real quick that are on the table. The first book is called Jewish Faith in the New Covenant. It's almost an encyclopedia of Jewish customs and traditions. Um, things that um, show Jesus. I mean, think about the Jewish wedding. What a beautiful picture of Jesus and his bride. Or, or the feast, and you'll be celebrating the feast. And, and that shows Jesus in, uh, in the feast. And so this book covers all those and many more topics. Uh, it's, like I said, almost an encyclopedia. It's called Jewish Faith in the New Covenant. It's written by Ruth Spector, LaSalle. That's my aunt, so it must be good. Uh, another book I recommend is a small book called Understanding the Difficult Words of Jesus. Um, there are times uh, that, uh, uh, even in the New Testament, that something's not understood because of the culture and context, and even Jewish idioms. You know what an idiom is? It's a figure of speech. An example of a figure of speech is, it's raining cats and dogs. 
you know I'm not talking about animals, and yet I, I said animals, and so that's an idiom. Well, Jesus used some Jewish idioms, and um, anyways, it's a book that will help you understand some of those things. Then another book similar is Yeshua, a Guide to the Real Jesus and the Original Church. It deals with uh, the early believers and their uh, faith. And then um, Betrayed is a testimony book. It tells the story of a Jewish man and his uh, daughter who comes home from college to tell him that she's become a believer in Jesus and he feels betrayed. And she's betrayed him, his family, his ancestors, his religion. So he sets out to prove to her that Jesus couldn't be the Messiah of Israel, but in the process he becomes a believer. It's a wonderful, true story. And the last book is a book I wish every Christian would read. It's called Our Hands Are Stained with Blood. Uh, it's the tragic story of the church and the Jewish people. Most Christians don't know this history. If I were to read just one quote from one of the church fathers, Martin Luther, uh, you would be ashamed to call him a church father. But Jewish people know this history. Most Christians do not. And so I, I would hope that you'd consider our hands are stained with blood. It's written by Dr. Uh, Michael Brown. He, he was one of the pastors in Pensacola. I don't know if you remember the Brownsville Revival. He was one of the pastors there. He, he's gone on to have a Bible school, a radio show, written many books, and uh, considered one of our best Jewish Christian theologians, or Messianic, anyways. Anyway, so I, I hope you come uh, to the table after the service. Uh, three reasons. Number one, some of this material you won't find in your bookstore, so today's a good opportunity. Second reason is whatever you purchase supports our fares. I appreciate your offering and your support. You have supported me for many years. But this is a way that we can pay for those fairs. I don't know if you're aware of it, but we have to pay to have a booth at the fair. In fact, the one in Texas, uh, at the state fair, Texas, one the largest in the nation, cost us $6,000 for the booth. That doesn't include our travel, lodging, meals, and all the other things. So... Uh, selling these items, whether it's the jewelry or shofars or anointing oil or prayer shawls or books, it, it, it supports our, our uh, outreaches. And so it's a way for us to pay for uh, outreach. So it's a win-win. You'll be getting something and you'll be supporting missions at the same time. And then the third reason is every item you buy is one less. I'm going to have to pack up afterwards, so help me out. I don't know if you're aware of it, but storytelling is a very good way to impart knowledge. Think about the, the kids' books, you know, the books that kids read or the ki that we read to our children or grandchildren. We're imparting morals. We're imparting information. We're imparting history. You know, think about the stories of the Bible. And so... In colleges today, there are classes on storytelling because this is an important way to educate. And uh, so we find that uh, we are relearning the art of storytelling. 
obviously, in ages past, uh, generations were educated on their history and the events of the past. Uh, we can think of the Native Americans. We can think of many times where storytelling was an important part of the process of education. Well, so I want to tell you a story today. And this story, hopefully, will help you understand the difficulties that Jewish people have in coming to faith. Hopefully, it will inspire you to share with Jewish people your faith. And uh, so that's my purpose and, and goal in telling the story. So, <clears throat> though, uh, I, I don't know, how, I'm curious, how many have seen that movie... Uh, what is it called? Jesus Revolution or something? Yeah, a number of you. Well, that was a watershed of Jewish people coming to faith, was the Jesus people. There were a number of Jewish people that came to faith in the 70s. However, I want to tell a story long before that. It was near the turn of the uh, 19th century. We have uh, someone a family coming from Russia, and they settled in Boston. They were Jewish, and they were a large family, a number of children, and uh, they ended up in Los Angeles. And then uh, in about 1910, uh, a man came from Russia, and he, he came from the Ukraine and uh, came through Philadelphia, and he ended up in Los Angeles too. And so, of course, uh, Louis and Anna met in Los Angeles. And, of course, they got married and, and had a couple of girls, and, but they wanted a boy. And they, they prayed. They wanted a boy. You know, the, the name would be uh, uh, go on if they had a boy. And so they, and every Jewish family wants a boy. And so... Uh, they, they, they wanted a boy. And finally they had a boy, but he was sick and, and uh, uh, barely made it past his uh, eighth day for circumcision, and, and, uh, but he thrived. Unfortunately, a couple months later, the father died. It was the flu epidemic of 1918. And... Uh, and so Lewis died, and Anna was left with three small children. And so uh, she, as a single mother, had to take several jobs trying to make ends meet. Of course, this is a hard time. The First World War is about to happen, and it's a hard time in, even here in America. It was also a hard time for Jewish people. Anti-Semitism was very strong. And, um, and so it was hard on Anna. But she, she worked hard. She had a couple jobs. She took in laundry. She um, ironing and anything she could to help this small family uh, survive. And uh, even the children, when they were old enough, took jobs. Uh, uh, the young boy, he took a paper route and and to contribute to the family's needs. Um, and then, uh, during this time, as I said, it was a lot of anti-Semitism, and, and the children were, 
were uh, ridiculed at school and uh, called names. Uh, Kike, Sheeny, uh, Dirty Jews, and out for the almighty dollar. And, and they didn't, the children didn't know what to do with this. Why were they picked out? Why were they picked on? And they would cry to their um, mother and, and say, why, why do Christians hate us? Why, what, why, why, what have we done? And why do they call us Christ killers? What, what do we have to do with Christ? And so they, they didn't understand. And, and, um, but they, uh, their mother tried to uh, console them and, and tried to uh, help them to understand and and it was hard for her. She, did, she didn't know the answers. Why do Christians hate Jews? And, um, and so, uh, of course, she had grown up in an a Orthodox home. And so she knew uh, that, um, you know, God was uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That he was the God of Israel. And... Uh, and so she, she couldn't really give them answers of why the Christians hated the Jews. But um, the, uh, the children would often walk to school and be called names. And, and you know, they, they, their hatred for Christianity grew because of all this ridicule and, and even uh, picking fights. And, and uh, so they, they didn't know... Um, they didn't have real answers. But their hatred for Christians began because Christians hated them. And so they uh, continued living and the, uh, uh, going to school and, and growing. And, and uh, about this time, um, uh, as they were getting out of high school, uh, their, their mother was making friends with a couple of ladies. Now, these ladies had begun to help her. They would come and help her with her laundry. They'd come and help her uh, with, you know, odd jobs. And, and, and they didn't ask for anything. They just helped her. And so finally they, they invited her to church. And she said, no, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm Jewish. I, I, I can't go to church. She'd never been in a church before. And... Uh, but they persisted. They continued without stop. They didn't stop helping her. They stopped, didn't stop loving her. And so after a while, she kind of felt obligated. And so when they asked her again, she decided, well, I'll go one time just to make them happy. And then uh, they'll leave me alone. Uh, and, uh, and so she decided to go to church with them. So she went. Now, she heard that uh, pastors hypnotize people. I don't know if, you know, it's here, but they, she'd heard that they, they hypnotize people. So when she went, she decided she wouldn't look at the pastor. And so she kept her eyes on the pulpit, and uh, she wouldn't look up. And, um, and, and so, you know, she, she couldn't really listen because she's so fearful. And, but she was looking at the pulpit, and, and all of a sudden, she saw something on the pulpit. She had a vision. 
And uh, what was on the pulpit was some Hebrew words. And she wondered, what is Hebrew doing in this Christian church? And so she didn't hear the message, but she saw those words and she wrote them down, the letters. She, she knew it was Hebrew. She didn't know how to read Hebrew, but she knew it was Hebrew. And so she wrote them down. And later she went to her, her father and asked them, him, what does this mean? And he said, where did you see it? And she's not going to tell him that she saw it in a church. So she said she saw it on a building. And he said, that's strange. And she said, well, what does it say? And she said, he said, it's three words. They're the same word. It's kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. And holy, holy, holy. And she was amazed. What in the world? How, how come she saw this in a Christian church? Now, she's a little uh, curious. And so she decides that the next time they ask her to go with them, that she's going to go because she's curious why the Hebrew was there. She thought, well, maybe I'll see some more. So she went to church with them. But uh, she didn't see anything. But she listened to the preaching this time. And she heard about Jesus and that his disciples, they were Jewish and they... They believed that he was the Messiah of Israel, the, the long-awaited one, the one who would come to deliver his people. In fact, that's why he's called Yeshua. It means salvation. And the angel said that he would save his people. And she, she listened to the message this time, and, and she believed because she had seen the handwriting of God on the pulpit. And so she believed. And uh, she began reading her Bible, the New Testament included. And, and, she, uh, be, and she was so happy. And, and her children were concerned. She had taught them not to believe in Jesus, not to even say his name. In fact, she had threatened to wash their mouths out with soap if they even said the word Jesus and here she was praying to Jesus and they couldn't understand what is going on they thought that she has perhaps lost her mind in fact they even checked into Camarillo State Hospital to see if maybe she needed to be uh, you know put into a hospital a mental hospital and um and so uh, they didn't know what to do. Actually, the, the um, middle daughter had gone to Hollywood to, you know, to become an actress. And, um, and it's a it was a very uh, stressful uh, uh, job. And um, she was uh, almost to the point of a nervous breakdown herself. And, and so the two other children asked her to come home and, and help them decide what to do with mother. Well, uh, so she was, you know, she was glad to come home because she was, uh, uh, it was so stressful, uh, the, the uh, being in Hollywood and, and acting. And so she came home and, uh, and uh, she, she couldn't believe that her mother was, 
was praying and reading the Bible, but that she was happy doing this. Uh, she thought, uh, the daughter thought, you know, I've never been happy in, in synagogue. What is she happy in church for? And uh, she said, well, I'll go and figure, find out what they're saying in church and tell her that they are um, acting. I'm an actress. I'll know that they are, you know, just acting. And, um, and I'll show mother that they are just acting. And so she, she said, I'll go to church with her. So she did. She went to church, but she couldn't find anything wrong with the, what they said. They, it sounded like it was from the Bible. She wasn't that really good student of the Bible, but it sounded like it was from the Bible. They, they were reading from Psalms and, and uh, Proverbs and all books that she was familiar with. And, and yes, they were reading from the New Testament, but that sounded Jewish too. And, um, and so she couldn't understand what it was that was making them happy. Uh, and um, so she decided to go again. She went again and again. Finally, after the sixth time, she said, I can't find anything wrong. I'm sorry. I think that we should just let her be. She's worked hard all her life. If she's happy, let her be. Um, they said, well, but it's, it's opposite of what she thought. Just let her be. So she said, well, I'll go one more time, the seventh time. I'll go one more time, and if I can't find anything wrong, I think we should just, just let her be happy. And so she goes the seventh time, and now, now this time the pastor asks someone to pray as a benediction uh, after the service. And so... Uh, he begins to pray, and she looks at him, and she sees a glow on this man. And so whether or not it was an actual glow or a vision, she knew it was supernatural and that this was the truth, that they were preaching the truth, that Jesus was the Messiah. And she believed that Jesus was the the Messiah, the Son of God. And so now we have mother and daughter and two that aren't believers. And, but not long after, the other sister believes too. The son is very, very upset. He is the man of the house. He's the youngest, but he's the man of the house. And he is very upset with his, his, his siblings his mother, he thinks that they are uh, leaving the uh, faith of the, our forefathers, the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He, he's so upset with them that uh, they are uh, embracing this uh, religion that has persecuted them for 2,000 years. He, he doesn't know what to do. He is so upset. He has fights with his sister and and she says to him well i just read in the bible that i'm not supposed to cast pearls before swine and he says what do you mean calling me a pig that's the worst thing you can call me and uh, so he's upset with his sisters his mother and uh but uh, uh he doesn't know what to do 
He doesn't know what to do with them. And finally, a day comes when uh, his mother asks him to come home early. They're going to have a celebration for his sister's birthday. And, uh, and he said, well, who's coming? And she didn't want to tell him, but she did. She said, the two ladies that have been coming to help me. And he says, well, I don't want to come and listen to them. And, she, and he said, who else is coming? And she, she really didn't want to say, but finally said, the preacher's coming too. He said, what? A preacher in our house? He thought that was sacrilege. So he, he uh, says, no, I, I'm, not coming home. I'm not coming home early tonight. So he, he uh, takes his girlfriend to the dance, and they're dancing, and, and all of a sudden he starts getting sick to his stomach. And... He, he tries to keep on going, but he just is so sick. He says to his girlfriend, I've got to take you home. I am not uh, feeling well. And he thought, it's midnight. Surely no one's going to be home now. But he gets home, and they're still there. They're still celebrating her birthday. And he is so upset. He says to himself, I'm going in there and I'm going to kick that pastor out of our home. There's, you know, he doesn't have a right. I'm the man of the house. So he, he goes in the house. Well, immediately the, the pastor begins talking to him about sports. And then he was a sports fan and he liked to talk about sports. And so um, he thought, well, I'll wait after this conversation and then kick him out. And so they're talking, and, and out of the blue, the pastor says, have you ever asked God whether Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God? And he says, what? No, I don't need to. I know. I know that the God of Israel is God eternal, and it's impossible for him to have a son. That's impossible. And... Um, and, and, and definitely not Jesus, the one we've been persecuted in his name. And, uh, and the pastor said, well, but have you ever asked God? He said, I don't have to, I know. He said, are you afraid? And of course, he says, no, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of anything. And so he said, well, you know, ask God. And so he, he says, all right. Uh, I'll do that. And the pastor said, no, right now, ask God. He said, right here? He said, yeah. And he said, well, we Jews pray standing up. They were sitting at the kitchen table, and he said, we Jews pray standing up. He, the pastor said, well, you know, stand if you'd rather, but, you know, God will hear you if you're sitting or if you're standing. And he said, well, we, we Jews have written prayers that we pray. Um, prayers our rabbis have said, prayers from the Bible. And, um, and the pastor said, but I want you to just ask from your heart, just from you, you know, you ask God and let him show you, or speak to you. Do you believe that God can speak? Yes, of course, he spoke to Moses, he spoke, but I don't, I, I've never heard him speak, so I don't think he speaks now. And um, the pastor said, well, Ask God. So he said, all right. So he stands up and he says, uh, 
He tries, he's trying to remember those prayers from his bar mitzvah. That was about the last time he was at synagogue. And he can't remember those prayers. And so he says, all right. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, he at least remembered that. And he says, uh, I don't believe you had a son. He's telling God he doesn't have a son. And um, he says, uh, but if you did, show me. He didn't expect you know, God to show him. That was a safe prayer in his mind. But immediately, he begins to feel strange. He's no longer sick. He's not sick to his stomach, but there's a churning inside of him that he doesn't understand. His emotions are, are all over the place. He, he feels like crying, and he doesn't know why. And the, the others are seeing that God's work was being done, and they began to pray. And they were Pentecostal. And when they prayed, they prayed loud. And the windows were open, and he goes and shuts the windows. He doesn't want anybody to hear this. And, um, and so his mind is off of his question and on to his embarrassment. And, and so uh, they, the evening ends, and they leave. And, and uh, the next day, he's laying on the couch, and all of a sudden, it begins to shake. And he, he said, what is happening? It's an earthquake. You know, Southern California. It's an earthquake. But he looks around and the chandelier is not moving. Nothing on the wall, nothing else is moving. Just the couch he's laying on. And he gets scared. He knows God is speaking to him. And he's afraid. And he says to his mother, uh, let's go talk to those two ladies that he didn't want to talk to before. Now he wants to talk to those two ladies. And so he goes, they go, and he, she said, come in. He's, no, no, you go in and ask what's happening to me. I'll stay out here. So she goes in, and of course they begin to pray. What else? And they prayed, and, and he is... He is so much under conviction and so much, he's so nervous, he's not, he, he feels like crying, he doesn't, so he starts to smoke and, and that tastes terrible and, and, and he throws that out, he tries another, tries another, nothing works, he's still uh, so upset and uh, he, he, now he hates the taste of the cigarettes and, and uh, so God took care of that too and and um, she comes out and she says, so what did they say? And she says, um, they said, they said that God's talking to you. He said, I know that. That's nothing new. I want to know why. And uh, in her mind, she, she, she knew that he knew why. So finally, he decides to go to church. He figures that this is the place to get the answer. And so he calls his sister, and he says, uh, uh, I want to go and find out what God is doing to me. Uh, let's go to church. And she says, great, wonderful. I'll go with you. And, and uh, he says, well, let's go. And she said, well, we can't go now. The church not open. It'll be open tonight. And he said, why do churches uh, remain closed when people want to find answers? And he said, she said, well, it'll be open tonight. And so they went to the church. 
and she is so happy to get him to church. And, um, and uh, she puts her arm through him. They start walking down the aisle of the church to find a seat. And all of a sudden, he pokes her and he says, Ruth, Ruth, are your shoes touching the carpet? And she says, of course they are. We're walking down the aisle. And he says, mine aren't. I'm walking on air. And, and you know exactly what happened. He believed that Jesus was his Messiah. His sins were forgiven. He felt as light as a feather because his sins were forgiven. And so he became a, a new creation. That night he went out that door that night and saw the world differently. Not only was it, uh, uh, he was a new creation, but the world looked new and he knew his calling. The calling of Jews is to be a light to the nations. So he went to Bible school. He became a missionary. He was first a missionary in Haiti. And that's where I was born. This is the story of my father, Hyman Israel Specter. He was a missionary in Haiti for 12 years, a missionary in Africa for seven years. And God called him from out of Africa to start a ministry to his own people. And so he started Rock of Israel Ministries. And that was about 50 years ago. And so I would leave you with a couple of thoughts. Number one, don't give up. With your loved one, your parent or your children, don't give up. Pray that God will give them a supernatural, supernatural uh, incident, supernatural something to bring them out of their unbelief. Pray for their faith, that God will give them faith. Also, that though we have found that it's very difficult for Jewish people to come to faith, the Bible says Israel will be saved. And so what we are doing today is preparing that to happen. And so don't give up. Realize that God will use whatever you say, whatever you do in his name. You just can't use what you don't say or do. So be doing something, saying something. And that God will use that and speak to your child or your parent. And that uh, God loves them. He loves you. And he wants, the scripture says he wants the world to be saved. And so I, I see you as a missionary. A missionary to your workers, your your you know, whoever you know, that God will use you and that he wants um, the world to be saved. The ministry of Rock of Israel, I believe, is an end-time ministry. I believe that this is, we're drawing to a close, that, that uh, things are happening in the world today. We don't know what is going on with Russia and China and Ukraine, we don't know the end of the story, but we, we see 
wars and rumors of wars. We see earthquakes. We see end times being fulfilled in the, even in our eyes. So the time is short. The time is short. Let's be busy with the Lord's work. God bless you. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. So glad and honored to have you here with us. Just encourage you. Um, if any of you would love to go over, see his table, uh, look at all of that, all the fun stuff that's over there, all the cool stuff that's over there, and, and be able to have a conversation. Uh, he's a great guy to have a conversation with. And so just encourage you. Uh, as we close today, uh, just simply what, what a great reminder it is uh, for us, again, not to give up. For us to understand that God knows exactly where our family members are. God knows exactly, even maybe you came into this place and, and, and the Lord is working on your heart through this story. In, Re in the book of Revelation, it says that they overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, what Jesus did, and the word of their testimony. You know, the testimony is really important. It's, it's important when you, when you hear what God does in order to give new life and life to the fullest. When you hear that, something happens, something changes in our hearts. And so maybe you came into this place and you're like, man, like I, I just, the Lord just kind of is working on my heart. We want to be able to pray with you. We want to be able to, to uh, have that conversation with you. If, if you're not a believer, if you're, if you're one that came in here and, and you've walked away from the Lord or if you've never had a relationship with Jesus, we would love for you to start that relationship today. And it's not by accident that you're here. It's not by accident that you're, uh, that you're sitting where you're at and, and, and Brother Spector is here preaching and, and talking about his own father having an encounter with the Lord and, and even today, you're having that encounter with him. And so if that's you uh, this morning, we'd love to be able to pray with you. We'd love to be able to, um, just, to, to, be able just to talk about what the Lord's doing in, in and through uh, and in your heart. And so if that's you, we'd, we'll stay, stick around. We'd love to have that conversation. Uh, but for the rest of us, let us be encouraged. God still moves. And, and sometimes, all we have to do is get out of the way. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that he can't move through us. He absolutely can. But God is after our family members that don't know him. God knows exactly what they need and where they're at. Keep praying. Pray for that. Amen? Amen.